Well, good morning. Good to be back with you again. My name's Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, if you are new or visiting, just want to say welcome. It is good to have you. Good to be with you. Uh, if there are any ways that we can serve you or help you get connected to the community here at River City, we would love to be able to do that. Um, so uh, I have been gone for the past couple of weeks. So I'm glad to be back. Han and I, we had a really great time on our cruise. It was just eight days of gorgeous beautiful weather and rest and relaxation. And, and uh, we just wanted to say thanks to all the, the families and people that helped make that possible for us to uh, make time for us to go be able to do that. And so we're just really grateful for the community here at River City and for just the, all the ways that you guys uh, helped make that possible. Um, unfortunately, I was hoping that while we were gone, winter would give up. It did not. Winter doubled down. And so instead, uh, we, were, we, had like, we flew out of Miami on the way back here. It's like 80 degrees. I have a t-shirt on, and we get back to Chicago, and like the little jetway, you know, that connects to the airplane, it hadn't kind of like quite closed all the way, and it's like 75 mile an hour winds in Chicago that day, and so there's like an eight degree, like freezing cold knife of air that's just like welcoming you back to your bad decision of leaving Florida and coming back to the cold, but we made it back, and so uh, just grateful for that time and glad to be back with you guys this morning. So uh, we are working our way through the Gospel of uh, Matthew this year, and, and so like maybe, like I was gone the past couple weeks, maybe you were gone the past couple weeks, or uh, maybe you're new or visiting, so I just want to just briefly catch us up quickly on where we've been so we have a context for where we're headed this morning. And so the, the main theme of the book of Matthew, the, the theme that ties together the whole book is the theme of the king and the kingdom. Right? Matthew was announcing Jesus as the, the promised Messiah, the, the king that God had promised that would come to rule and reign and bring God's kingly rule and, and reign to the earth. And, and so Matthew is all about announcing Jesus as this king and showing us what his kingdom is like. And so the, that's the main theme of, of the whole book. And what we saw over the course of the last few chapters is that Matthew, through, throughout the chapters of basically five through, five through nine here, what Matthew has been doing is he's been talking to us about the authority of King Jesus. So he announced that Jesus is his king, but he's been talking about the authority of King Jesus. And throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that's Jesus' most famous words, his most famous sermon, that's in Matthews 5 through 7, we saw the authoritative word of Jesus getting talked about. Over and over, Jesus said, you, you've heard it said, but I say to you, and see what was going on is that Jesus was saying, I'm the one who has authority. I'm not a representative of another king. I'm not an ambassador for somebody else. I'm the king. I'm the one who has all authority, and I'm giving you a new word. See, Jesus is the true king. He, his word is the final authority. And then in chapters 8 and, 8 and 9, what we saw is that Jesus is not just a king who teaches with authority. He's not just a king who says he has authority. Jesus is a king who exercises his authority. We saw in all these chapters, Jesus demonstrating his authority, whether it was over sickness or over nature or over, or over sin itself. And so what we saw over and over is that the goodness of the authoritative word and work of Jesus coming to bear. And so wherever his good kingly rule and authority are being brought to bear, there is life and there is blessing and there is freedom. You see, it's good news when Jesus is king. And it's good news when his kingdom is brought to bear in people's lives. You see, people are healed. The outcasts are included. Waves are calmed. Sin is forgiven. You see, it's good news when Jesus' kingly rule and reign comes to bear. And I hope that over the last few weeks that as we've talked about Jesus' authority, that you've been encouraged, that, that your heart has been encouraged by a reminder that Jesus is the one who has all authority and that he's good and that his intervention in our lives is good for us. And it's good for the world that we live in, the world that we are sent to. Even in the midst of heartache and pain, even in the midst of things that are really difficult, the good news about the gospel is that Jesus is the king who has all authority and that he's good. He's not far off. He is not distant. He is not unengaged. He is not uninvolved. He is the king with all authority, and he's a king who is desperately concerned about the people that he has made and the people who he's come for. And you see, that's, that's good news for our hearts. It encourages us. But we would miss the point of these last few weeks if we thought that the authority of Jesus was only good news for us. You see, because what we see throughout Scripture is that the good news about Jesus' authority is not just good for those who have received it. It is good for the world as well. 
And you see, the reality is, is that the good news about the gospel, about who Jesus is, the coming of his kingly rule and authority, is good news for everyone. And so as we head into chapter 10 this morning, what we're going to see is Jesus sending out his followers to be ambassadors of his good authority. You see, in Jesus' kingdom, every citizen of Jesus' kingdom is an ambassador for the king. You see, it is a fundamental aspect of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's, it's the primary vocation and job description of everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus is to be an ambassador for the king, to be an ambassador for him. And so the truth is that oftentimes we just we don't live like that. We don't, we don't live as the ambassadors that we have been sent to be. And so the good news in our passage this morning is that we don't just see what we're called to do as Jesus' ambassadors, and we see the motivations that make that possible. We see God's gracious, patient care for us in the midst of both our calling and in the midst of empowering us to live out that calling as well. And so, man, I, I, I hope that our passage and our time together in God's Word this morning is challenging and encouraging for your hearts, but I also hope it is just good news to you as we see the King who is worth serving and who has sent us to serve Him. So let me pray, and we'll dive into God's Word this morning as we, as we study together. Jesus, we, we come and we are so grateful for you. I, I'm so thankful, Jesus, to get to be back uh, teaching and preaching here this morning at River City. God, I'm thankful for the work that you are doing in my life and in the lives of the people who are here in this church this morning. And God, I, I just, God, the, the truth of your word this morning is so important. And God, and I, I just humbly ask, God, that you would graciously flan in, fan into flame the message of your word in our hearts this morning. God, I don't have the power to make that happen. I don't have the power to cause like a transformational effect in our lives, even in my own life. But God, we pray that you would be gracious to start something in our hearts this morning that we might be able to look back on for generations to see what you have done because of the power of your word for the advancing of your kingdom in, in our city and in our region and in our nation and in our world. Jesus, we pray that you might be gracious to start something within us even this morning. And God, and so we want to come under the authority of your good word, asking by the power of your spirit that you would fill us and allow us to, me to teach rightly and us to respond rightly to your word. God, we pray these things, God, for our good, for the good of our city and our world. But more than anything, we pray them for your great glory, God. Meet us this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, in the end of chapter 9, the beginning of chapter 10 this morning. Matthew nine thirty-five. And Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then Jesus called the twelve disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or enter any towns of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Let's heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons freely as you have received. So freely give. You see, as we study our passage this morning, as we, as we see God's word, there's, there's three things that we need to talk about. And one is what we're called to do as Christ ambassadors, what we are called to as Christ ambassadors. The second is why, don't, why we don't do it. And the third is how we can change. So what we're called to do, why we don't do it, and how we can change. See, the first thing that we see throughout the passage is the calling of Christ's ambassadors. Verse 5, we see that Jesus sends out the first disciples as his representatives. He gives them his authority and his message and his mission. And that's pretty much what it means to be an ambassador. See, an ambassador, the official dictionary definition, right? It's an, an official envoy who represents a country or a king. You see, ambassadors, they don't have their own message, or at least they shouldn't. A good ambassador doesn't have his own message, right? A rogue ambassador does, right? Uh, they don't have their own message, they don't have their own authority, they don't have their own mission. 
They have the message of their king or country. They have the authority of their own king or country. They have the, the mission that they have been sent on. And so they are sent by a king or the country as their representatives to, to speak and to act on their behalf, not on their own. And see, in our passage this morning, we see three things that Jesus commissions these guys to do, three things that he commissions them to do as his ambassadors. And we're going to study the rest of chapter 10 next week, and we'll see in the rest of chapter 10, Jesus gives a lot more instructions on the how, like what does it look like to be Jesus' ambassadors? How do you go about the mission he's given you? But this morning in the first section, he just tells them what he's asking them to do. And the first thing that we see is that he's asking them to pray. Verse 37, he said, then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but workers, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You see, the first job of an ambassador for Christ is to pray for more ambassadors. That's the very first job that Jesus gives all of the people who represent him to pray for more people to represent Jesus for people to be sent as his ambassadors into the world. If you've ever worked in the nonprofit sector, you know what it's like to pray for more helpers, right? Or if you're a mom, you know exactly what it's like to pray for more helpers. You're just like, just anyone desperately with arms, anyone. It would be amazing. Just can I get some help? I remember when I was on staff at the university, Hannah and I were on staff. It was the two of us for like 200 students that we were trying to shepherd at the time. And, and uh, that was incredible because we had doubled the staff team at that time because for us it was only Aaron for 200 people. Right? It, it, was, it was not enough. I remember praying every day, Jesus, I need more help. I need more hours in the day also, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So, but I remember praying all the time about that. And see, what Jesus is saying here, right, as we think about what it means to be on, on mission with him as his ambassador, he's saying, the work that I am calling you to do, the work of the citizens of my kingdom, it is a big job. It is an enormous job. The harvest is incredibly huge. It is wildly ripe. And you are going to need all of the help that you can get. And so pray for it. Ask for more helpers. Ask for more people to be sent into the world as God's kingdom representatives. And I don't know about you, but in some ways this feels kind of counterintuitive to me. Jesus is like asking him to ask us to ask him. And you're like, I don't, why don't you just do it? Like, why, why are you asking me to ask you to do the thing that you want? I, why? Seems a little counterintuitive. But instead, really, I hope what this is to us this morning is that it's humbling and that it's encouraging. Right, because it means that God is not just involving us in his plans to reach people like I involve my three-year-old in cooking. Right? Like, when Caleb wants to help, I let him help. He ain't helping, though. Right? Mostly, I'm just trying to minimize the effects of his help when I am cooking. Right? That's not what God is doing as he involves us in his mission. Right? He's not just trying to minimize our unhelpfulness. In the mission of Jesus, what God has said is, I'm waiting for you. Ask me to do what you know I want to do. Ask me. That is the dignity that God gives us as his people, send us his representatives. We're not just like tag-on three-year-olds helping cooking. God has given us the dignity of actually joining him on mission. And he said, I'll wait for you. I'll wait. Ask me to work. Ask me to move. Ask me to do what you know I want to do. See, prayer is not just the first thing that we need to be doing on the mission of making disciples. It is the single most significant thing that we must be doing constantly. You see, praying for God to seek and to save our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers, but also praying that God would commission more co-labors in the gospel into to being his kingdom ambassadors. You see, as your pastors, Aaron and I, we pray about this all the time. We pray that God would raise up from among the people who are here, people who would be sent all over our city and our region and our state and our nation and our world as ambassadors for Jesus. We pray about that all the time. You see, we don't want to just be a church plant we want to be a planted church that plants more churches all over the world so that the name of Jesus might be known and loved and worshipped and celebrated and treasured. But we don't just pray that God would send people out from here. We pray that God would wake people up. That he would wake you up to the, to the mission that he has sent you on. That, that oftentimes that God might just wake you up to the fact that the, the job that you have the vocation in which you earn a living so that you might be able to provide for your family, that that is not just a, a, a money-making endeavor. You are, on, you are a commissioned ambassador of the king. 
wherever he has sent you. And so whether that's in your schooling or in your work or in your career, whether that's in your home, in all the places that God has sent you, you don't just happen to be there. You are sent as his kingdom representatives into those places. And I often pray that you guys might wake up to that realization sometimes. That the people that God has sent you in and surrounded with your neighbors, your coworkers, God sent you to them for a time, a place, a purpose, and a reason. You see, and by God's grace, he is doing that. He is commissioning those to be sent as missionaries into his world from even among us. I'm excited next week for you to hear a story from Jeff uh, as he talks about how God's been growing his heart in that. But I know that he's not the only one. It's been many of you that God's been working in light of those things. And I'll be honest, though, with you. As much as I do pray about that, what I recognize is that I need to be praying more about that. And I want to be praying more about that. This this week, uh, I've uh, been setting my alarm at 9.38 in the morning every day. And uh, not, the alarm at 9.38 is just a reminder for me to pray. Because Matthew 9.38 is the, Jesus says, ask the Lord to send out workers into his harvest. And so I've just been setting my alarm at 9.38 in the morning. And just, I don't spend a huge amount of time, but it is just a reminder every day for me. Say, Jesus, I want to ask you about this. You've, you've asked me to ask you to send out workers into your heart, into your field. And I love the city that you have sent us in and the people that you have sent us to. And Jesus, I can't do it without you. And so I might encourage you to set your alarm for 938 every day. It doesn't have to be wildly time-consuming or wildly eloquent, but just make some space every day. Ask God, God, would you be sending out people into your field so that people might come to know and love and follow and serve you? Would you be sending out your kingdom representatives? You see, so Christ's ambassadors, they're called to pray, but they're also called to, uh, they're also sent themselves. See, did you notice that the people that Jesus asked to pray in verse 37 are also the people he sends out two verses later, right? Just, just a heads up, by the way, if you were hoping that just praying for other people to go on mission was like the, your role in the mission, that's not, how it, that's not how it works. In fact, that's the most dangerous way possible to get yourself sent on mission, right? Just start praying about that. So just heads up, be careful, right? And so Jesus, he sends these disciples to proclaim with their words and with their actions. See, verse 7, he says, as you go, proclaim this message. He says, the kingdom of heaven has come near. See, that's the same message that Jesus has been proclaiming. It's the same message that John the Baptist was proclaiming in light of Jesus' coming. You see, and it is really good news, but it is bad news too because the good news is only good because there's bad news. See, the message about the kingdom of heaven coming near, it's the message of the gospel and it's this message that there is a king, there is, there is a God, and he has authority over all creation. And 2,000 years ago, he came to inaugurate the kingdom that he had been promising since the dawn of creation. And the sad truth is that all of us are not only rebels, but we are enemies of this great king. By nature and choice, we have rejected his good kingly rule and authority but in love and in mercy, King Jesus did not crush our pitiful and tragic rebellion. Instead, he came to pay the penalty himself. And so that we might have a right relationship with him. You see, that's the message of the kingdom of heaven coming near. See, there is one king, not many. And his authority is not limited, it is unlimited. And our rebellion against him is absolutely unapologetic but his grace towards us is good news in the midst of it you see the kingdom of heaven has come near you see that's the message that the king that king jesus ambassadors have been sent to proclaim with our words and with our lives and the question this morning is do you know that message can can you talk about that in not in like a script rehearsed way but do you know how to talk about who jesus is and and what he's done and I'm not here to shame you if you don't know how to talk about that. But let me just say this. You have been given the most incredible honor and privilege of being sent as Jesus' kingdom's ambassadors. And you have the most, the best message in the history of the universe to proclaim. So it is worth being intentional about learning how to talk about the king that you represent. And the message that you have been given to proclaim. But proclaiming Jesus' message the message of the king, it's not enough. You see, Christ's ambassadors are also called to publicly demonstrate what the kingdom is like. 
Verse 8, Jesus gives them authority. He says, go heal the sick, raise it, and cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. What Jesus, that's the same things that Jesus was doing in chapters 8 through 9. You see, Jesus didn't just talk about his kingly rule and authority. He brought his kingdom to bear in people's lives. And like we saw, it was always good news. You see, and as Jesus' ambassadors, we too are called to bring the goodness of the kingdom to bear in the lives of the people that God has sent us to. You see, let me just ask you this question. The people that God has sent you to, do they think it's good news when you are around? The people that God has sent you to, are, is it good news when you are around? Do they experience the goodness of the kingdom when you are in their lives and when you are in the relationships with them? See, as Jesus' ambassadors, we, we too are called to bring the goodness of the kingdom to bear in the people's lives that God has sent us to. You see, when we, uh, Hannah and I, when we moved into our neighborhood, one of the first things that we did was we threw a really big party. And we had a ton of food and great drinks, and we invited everyone in our neighborhood. And the reason why we did that was not because we just like wanted to like have a good party, and we like doing that, but we do. But rather, is we wanted our neighbors to see that us being in our neighborhood was good news for them. It was good news for our neighborhood. That our neighborhood was better off because we were there. And that we brought a life and a joy and a blessing into that community. And we wanted that to characterize our relationships with our neighbors. So one of the first things we did is we just threw a big party. And it was fun. Like 75% of our neighbors around our whole block came. They had a great time and they loved it. It was, so, it was such a great way to get to know our neighbors, but also to create a culture in our neighborhood. That what it means when God's kingdom people come to bear in people's lives, that it's good. That it's good news when that happens. You see, throwing good parties and sacrificially serving those around you, being generous with your time and your money and your resources so that people might see and experience the kingdom of God breaking into their lives and into their worlds, that is really important. I remember in college, there was a, a student that we were investing in. He became a Christian over his time in college. And, and afterwards, one of the things I remember him saying was that he fell in love with the people of God before, long before he fell in love with God himself. You see, that is the good news about God's kingdom breaking into people's lives. You see, when people, be, when people are loved and cherished, when they are included and they're brought into a community that is life-giving, that shows them something about what the God of that kingdom is like. And that's the invitation that God has given us as his representatives, that his, the way he is characterized and his relationships with people that might characterize the way that we relate to people and that when people encounter us, when they encounter his kingdom representatives, what they encounter is the goodness of the king. That's the calling of King Jesus' ambassadors. You see, far too often Christians embrace either one or the other of these callings. Sometimes people, Christians just really love to tell people about God. They like the proclaiming part. They like to proclaim the message about Jesus. And they go door-to-door handing out tracts a couple days a year, or they love to post things on their social media accounts about whatever it is that they believe, about whatever thing is going on. But they're not actually involved in the lives of people that don't know Jesus yet. In fact, they often think that that's a bad idea. What happens is they just end up confusing or alienating others because they never show people what God is like. They tell people about a God who is loving, but they never show people what it looks like when that love comes into contact with their lives. And they tell people about how good living in the kingdom is, but they never invite people to experience the goodness of the kingdom being made manifest in their lives. You see, proclamation without demonstration is at best confusing. When we tell people about Jesus, but we don't show them what he is like, that is at best confusing. And at worst, what it is is hypocrisy that offends and alienates those who Jesus has been pursuing through us. But some people take the opposite approach, right? I'll just live my life differently for Jesus. And then people will see that I'm different, and then that will be, that will, that's how they'll know about Jesus. And these people are the people that love that Francis of Assisi quote that says, like, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. Spoiler alert, he didn't say that. Also, his life would never reveal that he even thought that in any way, shape, or form at all. So you can just go ahead and torch that one, by the way, right? 
A lot of times these people are people who love to serve the poor, they love to volunteer, they love doing all kinds of community service events, and they just try to, or they just try to live a life that is a good example to others. And don't hear me wrong, it is not bad to serve and to volunteer, it is not bad to live differently, we are called to do all of those things. But you need to hear this, those things are not enough. It's not enough to just live a life that looks moral. Those things are not enough because you have Jesus' ambassadors. You are not just called to demonstrate what he is like. You are called also to declare it. You see, people need to hear why we are doing the things that we are doing. They need to hear our motivations and our intentions and the message of the king that we have been sent to proclaim. You see, the same actions can have wildly different motives and intentions and very different meanings. You see, demonstration without declaration, if we just live lives that resemble Jesus, but we never talk about who he is, that is just religious moralism. That's all that is. It's just religious moralism. At best, it is good deeds that make you and others feel good. That's the best that that can be. But at worst and most dangerously, what that communicates is that outward appearance, not the heart, is what matters most. What it communicates is that the doing is the thing that is most important, not the believing. What it communicates is that you can be good without God. And that is a lie from the pit of hell, and it is a deadly one at that. You see, instead, we're called to be ambassadors who both declare and demonstrate the king that we serve. See, we cannot separate those two things. You see, our public demonstration of the kingdom is often what enables our ability to proclaim it. You see, I remember uh, one time in college, I got a chance to share the gospel with one, a friend of mine, and I remember one of the things he said to me at the end of that conversation, he said, I felt like I could listen to what you had to say. I felt like I could, respond, I, could, I could hear what you had to say, because you're one of the first people whose what you said and what you did matched. I remember just thinking, like, you're not looking that close, because my life has got some flaws in it, right? But I also just remember being humbled by that. And because of my friend, what he saw in my life was that the things that I cared about and the way that I lived, the message that I was communicating to him, it matched with my life. Those things were not separate, dichotic things. They were one in the same. And he saw that. He noticed that. And that's what allowed me, the, the truths about who Jesus was, that's what allowed me to get the chance to speak about that with him and for it to have meaning and value and weight to it. You see, we can't separate our, our, our demonstration of the gospel and our proclamation of it. But we also cannot do those things at a distance either. You see, and so God, like God told the exiles in Babylon, way back in Jeremiah 29, we build houses and we settle down, we plant gardens and we eat what they produce, we marry and have sons and daughters, we seek the peace and prosperity of the city that God has sent to it, and we pray for our city, for the Lord of it, because when it prospers, so will we. You see, we don't just set up camp outside of the city, we move into the city. You see, God's people are sent not just to be a light on a hill far off, but to be a light that invades the city with the goodness of Jesus' kingdom authority and his rule and reign so that people might taste and see the goodness of the king who has come for them. And they might come come to him for life, come to him for what they long for and so desperately need. And so we see what we've been called to do. We've been called as Jesus ambassadors to pray and to proclaim and to publicly demonstrate who, who the king is that we serve. And the question is, why don't we do that? Right? Verse 36 says, right, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Why? Why are the workers few? Why, why is there such a great need for, for ambassadors for Jesus to be commissioned and sent out? We don't have time to go over all the reasons for why that is, but I just there's a few I want to highlight and point out this morning as we study. And see, one is I think that some people have either missed or dismissed their calling. You see, evangelism, a lot of times people think evangelism, sharing our faith, that is really, really great for someone to do. That's not me. I'm not gifted at it. I don't know. I don't feel called to do it. I don't know enough about it. I don't, right? There's a million different things, and we either miss or dismiss our calling. It's not my gifting. Just, this is a side note, right? This is one of the things that's hard when people talk about spiritual gifts, right? And evangelism is included in this list of spiritual gifts, right? It's like, oh, well, I don't have that one. 
like Aaron was just, Aaron preached last week, right? The role of anybody who has any spiritual gift is to empower everyone else to be great at that too, right? You're not just given so that you do it by yourself. You're given the spiritual gift so that you might equip everyone to do that well, right? That's the, that's the joy of the body of Christ. That was a side note. That was free, right? See, the truth is that the mission doesn't have anything to do with our skills or our gifting or our sense of calling. You see, the reality, as Paul writes in in 2 Corinthians 5, is that Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He's entrusting that message. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, he, he writes, as though God is making his appeal through us. You see, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are called a follower of him, then you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Just, I need you to hear this. There are zero people that God has called to follow him who he has called to have a personal and inward relationship with him only. There are zero people who that is true of. You see, what is true is that God has called people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And he's called them to be his kingdom representatives in every corner of the world so that everyone, everywhere, might know the goodness of him as king might come to know and love and follow and worship him. That's the calling of every one of us. Some of us are much better at it than others. It doesn't mean all of us aren't called to it. You see, what often is behind our missing or our dismissing of our calling as Christ's ambassadors is fear. And sometimes it's a fear of inadequacy. I don't know what to say or how to say it. I'm not a pastor. I haven't gone to school for it. I I just, I don't know. And I just need you to hear this. Jesus is heading that off at the pass with verses 2 through 4 and this list of these 12 apostles, right? These are 12 no-name, unqualified pastoral rejects. These guys were not the A team. They were not the B team. They were like the C, you know, ish team. They're the people who did not make the cuts as the, relig- the Jewish religious people of the day. They didn't make the first cut. They didn't make the second. Like they, they're not the A-team. They are not qualified. They are full of doubt and full of fear. They talked a lot when they shouldn't. They didn't talk a lot when they should. There's a corrupt IRS agent, a political zealot, and a bunch of dudes who are fishers. They're not impressive. The only thing that is impressive about these guys is how unqualified they are and how much God used them for his kingdom. That's the only thing that is impressive about any of these guys. You see, and Jesus loves to use unqualified and inadequate people because he loves to get all of the glory as we rely on him to do things we could never do without him. Like, sign up for that ride, trust me. Like, that is the most life-giving journey to be on with Jesus when you're like, I don't, how is any of this happening? Wow, that must be you, Jesus, doing that. It's, it is the most life-giving. You see, I just need you to hear that. It's, it, it's really good for us to get training. Jesus trained the disciples. He, he trained them. He helped them. He taught them. It is good to get training. But if you think that training is what makes you ready to share your faith, then you will never be ready. You will never be trained enough. You will, always, you will always feel unprepared and unqualified. Instead, what's true is that it's the Spirit of God that makes us ready. And if you're a disciple of Jesus, then you have the Spirit of God living in you. And the Spirit of God is incredibly good at making Jesus beautiful. The Spirit of God is the one who shines light on Jesus so that people might know him and see him and enjoy him and treasure him. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then you have the Spirit of God in you. You have what you need. Ask him to empower you to talk about him. We'll we'll see that next week. Jesus just says, the Spirit's going to talk. Don't don't worry about it, right? We'll get there next week. I don't want to work ahead. Some of us, so some of us, it's it's a fear of of inadequacy. For some of us, it's a fear of failure. And we think, what if I try and people just don't respond? Or people say no. Or people are even angry about what I've said. I just need to remind us about verse 38. Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to ask Workers, to ask him to send out workers into his harvest. See, the harvest that we are, are participating it's not yours. That, that's, that's freeing. That's life-giving. Because what it means is that it's not on you. You are just a worker in the field. You are a worker of the king. It is not your harvest. It is not your field. It's the king's harvest. It's his field. And you've been invited by him to join him in the work that he is doing. Your success in sharing your faith isn't something that you control. Your faithfulness is a thing that you control. It's his harvest. The fruitfulness is on, not on you, it's on him. And so that frees us to just obey. So some of us, we have a fear of inadequacy. Some of us, fear of failure. But otherwise, it's just straight up, it's just a fear of man. 
We just care more about what other people think than we do about what Jesus thinks. And that's the truth of it. We just, if we're honest with our own selves, we just care more about what people think than about what Jesus thinks. And we've got to ask God to graciously change that in our hearts. We've asked God to instill in us a healthy fear of him and awe and a wonder for who he is and all that he's done so that what we care most about is what he thinks. And you see, so for some of us, it's that we've missed or dismissed that calling. Maybe it's because of fear. But also, I think what happens for many of us why we don't live as ambassadors is because we're isolated. See, too many Christians are like ambassadors who never leave the embassy. Too many Christians are like ambassadors who never leave the embassy. They don't know the people that they've been sent to. They don't know the culture that they're in. They don't know the longing of people's hearts or how the gospel is good news to them. They've just secluded themselves in the community or the people of the church and so that they don't actually have any real relationships with people that don't know Jesus yet. You see, one of the reasons why at River City, one of the reasons why we don't really have any programmatic things that happen here at the church, like we have Sunday mornings and we have small groups, and that's it. We don't have lots of classes running all the time. We don't have lots of groups and events happening here at the church. That is really deliberate and intentional because the reason why we do that is because we want to make space in your lives so that you can meaningfully be in the lives of people that don't know Jesus yet. And if church events and church community soaks up all of your time and your resources, there's no way that you're going to actually have time to meaningfully be in the lives of people, the people that God has sent you into. There's no way that you're going to meaningfully have time to be in relations with your neighbors and your coworkers and your family and others who don't know Jesus yet. And so that's a very intentional and deliberate thing that we've done here. See, sometimes what happens is that we've, we seclude ourselves. Sometimes it's because of, it's, of, it's out of fear. We don't want to be contaminated by the world around us. We see the, the sin and the destruction and the, and the difficult things about the world around us. And we just, like, we want to stay safe from that. But the truth, as one pastor notes, is this. The only way to avoid sin is not to avoid sinners, but is to stick close to Jesus. You see, sticking close to Jesus is what transforms our heart to love what he loves and to hate what he hates and to go as far into culture and into relationships with lost people as he did because we go with him. You see, so sometimes we have dismissed or missed our calling. Sometimes we're just afraid so we don't live as Jesus ambassadors. And sometimes we've just isolated ourselves and so we don't even know the people that God has sent us to. But I think in reality what happens more often than not is that the reason why we do not live as Christ's ambassadors is because we just really don't care about the people that God has sent us to. And none of us want to say that out loud. Like we don't, we, like that sounds really, that sounds, it, it sounds not good, right? But I think what's going on for us oftentimes, and I sense this even in my own heart sometimes, so we just do not care about the people that God has sent us to us. See, the truth is that we might know the king's message, but we don't have the king's heart. You see, in verse 35 and 36, it says this, Jesus went throughout the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease. Hear this, verse 37. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, though, so often the reason we don't live as Jesus' ambassadors is because we do not have his heart. See, when Jesus looked on the crowds, he didn't have anger, he didn't have contempt. What he had was compassion for them. You see, and so often what's true is that, that that's not what characterizes our hearts for our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and the people that God has sent us to that don't know Jesus yet. That was me from my whole life until probably my senior year of college. I thought evangelism and sharing our faith was incredibly great for anyone else to do but me. I wasn't called to it. It wasn't my thing. And the truth is, is I just didn't care. I just didn't care. I just enjoyed God for myself, and I just wanted him. I just liked my Christian community, and I liked the bubble that I was in, and I liked the safeness of how that felt. But that's not what God had called me to at all. I remember sitting at a conference that I was at, a part of a college ministry in, in college at the end of the school year. And I remember a staffer just sharing story after story about what it looked like for him to take risks with the gospel with his friends and neighbors and coworkers that didn't know Jesus yet. And he shared stories about just like getting to see friends become Christians. And he shared stories about things that went real 
badly that he would never do again, mistakes that he made. He shared stories about risks that he took in the midst of those things, and he didn't know how it turned out. And I remember sitting in that room and feeling the Spirit of God was grabbing my shirt and shaking me awake, saying, this is what I have called you to. This is what I want you to care about because this is what I care about. You see, Jesus does not have apathy or anger towards those who have by nature and choice made themselves rebels and enemy of his kingdom. He has compassion. He looks at those who are lost around him and he sees the destructiveness of sin in their lives. And what he longs to do is he longs to come to renew and restore. He sees them as lost sheep who are helpless without a shepherd. You see, too often what happens in Christian circles is that we look at people who are not followers of Jesus, you know, and we see the destructive patterns of people's lives and the destruction that sin causes in various situations. And what we try to do is we try to just force the world to have a Christian ethic. But the truth is that we'll never have a Christian ethic without having Jesus as king. And so the invitation for us as followers of Jesus is not to just enforce a Christian ethic on the world, but is to show a king that is worth following and giving everything for. One that's worth submitting and surrendering to because he is good. And his rule and his reign is life-giving in our lives. You see, so often what happens is that the reason we don't have the king's heart the reason why we don't look on others who are lost and we don't see ourselves as sent into the world is because the gospel, the message of the king, proclaimed with his life and demonstrated with his death and his resurrection, is not ongoingly good news to our hearts. You see, that's why we always get to Jesus here at River City. That's why we always get to the gospel. That's why the good news about who Jesus is and what he has done is something we talk about every time we are together. Because whether you are hearing it for the first time or the one millionth time, we need that truth every day in our lives. You see, remembering what we have received is the key to living as the ambassadors that we have been called to be. Verse, verse 8 reads this way. Jesus has sent them, to, sent them to be his kingdom representatives. And he says, freely as you have received, so freely give. You see, ambassadors are representatives that were first recipients. You see, ambassadors are representatives that were first recipients. You see, in order to be a disciple that makes disciples, you have to receive the good news of the kingdom, the message about King Jesus and his authority, not just to hear it, not just to admire it, not just to look on it with good interest, but to receive it. To allow it to penetrate and to permeate your heart and your life. You see, and when that happens, when the message about who he is and all that he has done, when that happens, you won't be able to help yourself from talking about who he is. You see, when the good news of the gospel it grips your heart, it's the thing that fuels your longing to talk about Jesus and that others might know and love and follow him. You see, the gospel motivates us to share our faith because what was true is that we were harassed and helpless, but King Jesus came to rescue us as the good shepherd. You see, Jesus looked on you and on me. He looked on us with compassion. It's not something that we earned. We didn't deserve it, and we cannot mess it up. And so there is a life there that there is found nowhere else. You see, and that's what we remember and that's what we celebrate with communion. We do that every week because we were lost and helpless, stuck in sin, unable to save ourselves, but Jesus came. And he is the one who has come to rescue us. You see, the bread and the drink, they remind us of Jesus' body and blood, which were broken and which were shed for us as he lived the life that we should have lived. And he died the death that our sinful rebellion and rejection of him should have died. And he paid the penalty on our behalf that only he could pay so that we might be forgiven and accepted by God and put in right relationship with him. He bore the sickness of our sin so that we could enjoy the blessing of his life. You see, we were lost by but Jesus came to seek and find. You see, what we're doing every week as we take communion is that we are proclaiming the gospel. We are reminding ourselves about who God is and who we are because of all that he has done. In communion, it doesn't make you right with God. It does not save you. It does not change your status or your standing with him in any way. Instead, what it is, it's an outward sign. It's a symbolic way in which we remember and in which we celebrate our unity with Christ. 
and our right standing with him and our commission as his people sent into the world because of what he has done. And so this morning, if you've trusted Jesus and if you believe the gospel, then during our time of worship, go back. Take communion. There's a station on the left and on the right, and you just take the bread and you dip it into the juice. You don't need to be a member here to take communion. You just need to belong to Jesus. He must be the one who you call and serve as king. So as we close this morning, as we respond to God's word, the calling that he has given us as his ambassadors, I think there are a number of ways that God's calling us to respond and to live in light of these truths. You see, some of you, you need for the first time to respond to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to his good kingly rule and authority. You need, to, you need to do that. Before you can be a part of anything that he is calling you to be a part of, you need to respond and surrender to him. You see, in order to, be, to make disciples, you need to first be a disciple yourself. And if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you, we need to respond to who Jesus is and who he has, his offer of life and salvation that he has given to us. I just want you to hear this. If you are here this morning, and you've not yet surrendered to Jesus, I want you to know how welcome you are here. I hope, that I hope that you feel welcome in this community. I hope that you feel like this community is a safe place where you can ask questions and learn and grow, where you can pursue an understanding of who he is. I hope that characterizes the community that you find here at this church. But I just want to encourage you, seek the king. Not just with a, with a meandering search, but with a urgent intentionality. See, he is the king of all things. And he's invited you to seek and find him. He is searching after you. And so pursue him eagerly. Some of us, we need to respond to Jesus, but some of us, we just need to begin by confessing our fears. We just need to be honest with God. God, I'm afraid. I feel inadequate. I'm afraid of my inadequacy. I'm afraid of, of failing. I'm afraid of people. God, we just need to begin by acknowledging our fear. You see, God wants to replace your fear with a boldness that comes from the Spirit of God, which he has given to fill you and send you in, as his commissioned people into the world. And so if you are a disciple of Jesus, let him remind you of who he is and who you are. But some of us, we just need to start authentically pursuing relationships with people that don't know Jesus yet. Some of us, we don't have opportunities to share our faith because you don't actually know anybody that doesn't know Jesus yet. You might have acquaintances, but you don't have relationships yet. That is something that requires intentionality and purposefulness especially in the city that we live in. The city that we live in is a city in which families and generations grow up and stay for a long period of time. And so people who are here have grandparents and parents and relatives and lots of family around. There is so often such little felt need for relationships in people's lives in the city that God has sent us to. And so that doesn't mean that we just don't try to be in the lives of people. It means that we must seek extra intentionally to be in the lives of the people that God has put us in. So what does it look like for you to, to look to build intentional relationships with the people at your work? I guarantee you, it will be inconvenient for you. I guarantee you, it will not be cheap to do that. But I can absolutely guarantee you, it will be worth it to do the people that God has put you on, your neighbors, on the sides of your houses. Do you know them? Have you had them in your home for dinner? Do you know what their kids are up to? Do you know where they go to school? Do you know what's going on in their hearts and in their lives? You see, for some of us, the first thing that we need to do is just start intentionally pursuing real, actual relationships with friends that don't know Jesus yet. That doesn't happen by accident. That happens out of intentionality and purpose. And it is the calling of everyone who is a follower of Jesus. It's okay that that takes time. It's okay that that takes effort. You see, the job of ambassador is not to wait. The job of the ambassador is to go. Right? The, the people of the kingdom that we have been sent to, they're never going to know the king unless the ambassadors go to proclaim and demonstrate. See, some of us, we need to we need to respond to Jesus. Others need to just be honest with God about our fear. Some of us need to just actually start pursuing relationships with people that don't know Jesus yet. Some of you need to start learning to talk about Jesus. 
You just don't know how to even talk about who he is. You love him and you, you want to serve him and you want to talk with your friends that don't know him yet, but you just don't know how. And that's okay. Ask and learn. One of the things we'll be talking about next week is a little bit about what that looks like. But I encourage you, send an email to me or Aaron. Come talk to us or find your small group leader. We'd love to help teach and train you and equip you to know how to talk about Jesus. But for all of us, the invitation for us every day, not just once, but every day is that we need to ask the king to give us his heart for the lost. You see, none of the strategies will matter. None of the relationships will matter. None of the intentionally will matter unless we have the heart of the king. You see, we need the heart of King Jesus as his ambassadors to be sent on his mission. See, the gospel is good news, and if you don't have his heart, the gospel, the spreading of the gospel will just be duty and obligation. We need the heart of the king to be sent on his mission the way that he was sent. So I'd encourage you, as you, as you pray and ask God to give you his heart for your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers, the people that God has sent you into their lives for, don't wait to start pursuing relationships with people that don't know Jesus until you feel the heart of the king for them. You know what the king's heart is already. You already know what is true about that. And so pursue relationships with lost people and ask God to give you his heart in the midst of it. Those things, they, like they merge, right? It's not like a track that just, like they're going to run separate forever unless you just start pursuing them together. Ask God to give you his heart for the people that he has sent you into. And so my prayer this morning as we seek to respond rightly to God's word is that we might be characterized as his ambassadors, right, who pray for more workers to be sent out into a harvest that is ripe and plentiful, who are sent to proclaim the good news about the king and who are sent to publicly demonstrate his good kingly rule and authority so that the people God has sent us to might experience the goodness of the king and his kingdom. To that end, let's pray. Jesus, we come before you this morning. We are so thankful that you are a king who has come to seek and find us. And so, God, as, as your people, God, we want to be characterized as those who, who represent you and who, and who imitate you. God, thank you for our passage here in Matthew 9 and 10 that just shows us how, that you are the authoritative king, that your word and that your work have authority, and that you commission us to be your representatives with your authority. God, so that we might bring the goodness of your kingly rule and reign into the lives of the people that you have sent us to. And so, God, we ask that you might be gracious to do that. God, where we are filled with fear, would you replace it with a hope and a confidence and a boldness in you? Where we want to tend towards isolation, God, we pray that you would... You, that you would empower us and that you would strengthen us, you would give us your heart so that we might tend and pursue towards a relationship. God, and where we do not have your heart, God, we ask that you would give it to us. Thanks that you looked on us not with apathy, not with contempt, you looked on us with compassion. And so we want to be characterized as your kingdom representatives, as those who have compassion on those who you have sent us to. God, would you cause that to characterize our heart and our relationships for the people you've sent us to. Jesus, for our good, for the life and the salvation of those who you have called us to. But more than anything, Jesus, we pray these things for your great and abiding glory in all the world. So that every corner of this globe might be filled with the praise of the King who has come to seek and to save. We love you, Jesus. Thanks that you have loved us first give our lives back to you. Amen.